Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Morning, everyone. It's Lisa Copeland, and um, this is my morning segment, Wednesday morning, Breakfast with Champions. I'm going to take just a second to, um, to reset the room and 
I am going to today, I've got a really, really cool guest. You know, I always like to try to get, have a topic, have something that will, that will, um, you know, get your, get your thinking going. And I'm just curious, you know, whether you have got a company of one person or 1 million people or a hundred thousand people or 10,000 people, workplace culture is absolutely critical. And, you know, I was in the automotive industry for many years. And one of the things, I think one of the awards I was most proud of, more so than even breaking the world sales record, my team, is that we won the best workplace award in the automotive industry. We were number six and number eight um, out of 17,500 dealers in the years 2012 and 2014. And, you know, that was something I was proud of as a leader. So whether you work for yourself and you're creating your own culture or you work for somebody else and you're an integral part of the culture within your organization, um, you know, I've just, I've just thought about it a lot lately. And so my guest today is one of my best friends, my best friend on planet Earth. Her and I co-authored a book together, Crushing Mediocrity. Um, and we did it back right after I sold my dealership and she was the top woman jet broker. And we did a lot of work back then on culture and, um, and, and, and putting together programs. Um, and then she just took the ball. She ran with it. She has built a phenomenal company um, that helps companies kind of get out of their own way to build people up, to make people better. And so this morning, my guest is Renee Bangelsdorf, founder and CEO of the Aviation Collective. And they are a workplace culture consulting company, but they're in all areas of, of that. And so, you know, the best way guys and gals to hire the best people to retain the best people is to be the best boss. Renee, good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much. And Marvin, um, what a great segment you had definitely took notes. I think my favorite point was about having using your gut going with your gut, but countering that with due diligence. And I think that workplace culture is a lot like that too. You have to have good balance. Lisa, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Are you are you coming to us from uh, Georgetown, Texas, or uh, Cabo San Lucas? <laughs> I am not in Cabo yet. I wish I was. I'm in nice, rainy Nashville, Tennessee, today, attending a women in aviation um, conference a little bit later this week. Well, so everybody share this out. You're going to want to hear Renee's story. Talk about something that will motivate you, inspire you. Um, and ladies, especially, you know, this is International Women's Month, History Month. And so I'm trying to bring women in that, that have made history, that are continuing to make history every single day. They're making inroads. They're shaking things up. And Renee's definitely one of those people. So Renee, tell everybody a little bit about you and your story and all that good stuff. Well, thanks. Um, I am an entrepreneur. I have owned a jet brokerage, a private jet brokerage for the last 15 years. Uh, we've sold almost a billion dollars worth of private jets in more than 40 countries. And I was appointed two years ago to be on an FAA Women in Aviation Advisory Board because not very many women are in the aviation industry. And in doing that, and in some of my experiences, I realized that one of the things that's missing in aviation is professional development. But when you go a little bit deeper into that, you realize that workplace culture is not that great in a whole lot of places. 
And I think that every single one of us has the opportunity and really the obligation to improve our workplace culture. And whether we just started out at this job or we're the CEO, we need, we need to and can make an improvement in that. And Lisa, I know you remember um, last year when I was getting my pilot's license and y'all, I did this in four weeks. I had never gotten it. I went out to California and I flew like crazy. I flew 95 hours in a little bitty plane um, in four weeks to get my private pilot's license. And Lisa kept calling me and saying, I know your wheels up, but are your wheels down yet? And I would be so discouraged because flying is hard and landing is even harder. And that's where the balance of workplace culture started gelling for me. Do you have a minute for me to talk about that? Lisa? Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was just about to ask you to, to expand on that. Like, so, you know, is it, was it just all the time you had in the air, the fear you were pushing through? Because there's fear. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to be a pilot. And it's another thing to actually get up in that little airplane, take it up, take it down, take it up, take it down. So yeah, talk to us about that. Expand on it, please. Yeah. So I think one of the things when you're coming into land, when you're up in the air, and I don't know if any of you have ever tried to look at the runway as you're approaching the airport in a, in a jet, it comes up a lot faster in a jet, but you have to balance a lot of things. You have to balance the lift of the airplane. You have to balance your speed or the thrust of the airplane. You have to balance the angle at which you're coming down to the runway so that you're not crashing into it and having a hard landing. And also so that you don't um, miss the runway altogether and have to accelerate and go back around. So there are a lot of controls in an airplane. And I like to call those the, well, everyone calls those the four forces. So it's lift, thrust, weight or gravity to get you back down to the ground and then drag, which enables you to control the direction the airplane's going. And when I started thinking about that in correlation to workplace culture, I was thinking about the things that provide that in, in workplace culture. So for lift, and this is obviously elevate elevation, um, that's respect. And it's really important that we have respect in our business places. Obviously one of the things that, that we need to have there is respect of each other right? We need to understand that other people have different opinions than us and that they may have a different perspective and that they bring something valuable and different to the table. The other thing we have to respect is the policies and procedures in our business. We can't just say, well, I'm going to respect the person, but I'm going to break this policy. I'm going to waste company time. I'm going to um, waste other people's time with, with long meetings or whatever else is disrespectful in the industry. And Brene Brown had a podcast about this recently, and she was like, disrespect is so unprofessional. So respect is one thing. Um, we have to have thrust. though. So thrust is that forward momentum. And in order to have thrust, we need to have resources. So in an airplane, it's fuel. It is air and it's a catalyst or a spark. And you have to have those things in the proper combination to be able to drive your company forward. And so resources might be money, they might be time, they might be software systems that work well together. It might be um, 
knowledge resources or training. It might be professional development. Um, and then there is, um, there's weight or reasons that our company exists and there's weight or reasons that we're there. And then finally with drag in an airplane, this is using the rudder pedals and using the wings and the tail to take the airplane up or down to turn it right or left. And we have to have realignment in our companies. So when a couple of these things are out of balance, like when everyone is just pouring out respect, but there's no reason to it, we start to get to pandering. And when we have lots of reasons, but we have no respect, we begin to see in our companies that we're stifling innovation or creativity or people's engagement. Um, and the same thing with resources. If you pour resources at something, but you don't have any realignment or direction with that, then you, you are out of control and you don't arrive where you intended to. So there's so much balance to workplace culture that we need to keep in mind is we're managing this from the top down or the bottom up. I hope that made sense, Lisa. It wasn't random. I, I think, at, first of all, Renee, brilliant. Wow, I've never heard that analogy before. And you really came up with all of that flying in the friendly skies, huh? Getting that pilot's license. Well, you know, some of it I came up with afterwards from lessons learned. <laughs> but uh, yeah, because you have to concentrate on flying when you're flying. Okay, so so we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this room, right? And solopreneurs. And we have a lot of people that are a company of one. And I still think all of those principles are just as important. If you're trying to build your empire, in the words of our friend Elena Cardone, um, if you're trying to build your empire, I think that those four tenants are still wildly important. So I want you to take what you said and I want you to talk to the solopreneur in the room, the person who's out there trying to build their empire, who's looking at themselves in the mirror every day going, oh, I'm not enough. <clears throat> I'm not enough. And that's, you know, now I'm a believer that empires are not built by themselves, right? You have to have, you have to come together and collaborate with other people like, like we do on Breakfast of Champions every morning. But, but, but take, take that talk to that solopreneur in the room, that entrepreneur who's out there building their empire. Absolutely. Well, I think you're right, Lisa. It involves collaboration and nobody exists in a complete silo, even if they're the only person working in their company, because we're still portraying our corporate culture, our workplace culture out to our customers. So our customers still need to feel respect they still need to know the reason to interact with you. They will need ultimately resources from your company, whether that's knowledge or wisdom, whether that's a service or whether that's a physical product. And then you do have to have some direction, um, some pivoting, maybe some iterations or some small adjustments to your company as the world around you changes or as the winds change that are directing your company. So all of those things can apply well, not just to your employee group, but your stakeholders that you interact with or the customers that you have. It may be a, a partner. I know Clubhouse and especially Breakfast with Champions has been instrumental in so many business transactions happening. So portraying that great corporate culture 
um, even if you're a teeny tiny little corporation of one is really important in how you present yourself. It just dives into everything that you do. No, I love that. Um, <clears throat> so we've got some experts on the stage that I, I'd like to I'd like to chat with and I'd like to kind of have Renee bounce the ball around with because this morning it's Lisa Copeland and you are at Breakfast Champions. You know, it's what we're what we're discussing today is whether you're a company of one or a company of a thousand or a hundred thousand, how do you portray your best self? Because most importantly, I you know, it's it's about hiring and retaining great people, but more importantly, and, and Renee hit it on the head, and you know, I didn't even say this earlier, but she's right. If you have to portray that strength, that confidence, that everything to your client, because into our clients and with our products and services, because if we don't do that, if um, if uh, if they don't feel like they're part of a great mission or a great company or whatever, they're probably going to move on to a company that is. So I think that's critical. So uh, I've just I've got Sharon Lecter, uh, author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I've got uh, Barbara Majeski, another another expert in the business field. And I'd love to have them kind of um, dig in on this a little bit with Renee and go back and forth. Cause I believe somebody in this room needs to hear this today. Somebody in this room needs to learn the, the, uh, the, the tenets of building their empire. And that's what we're talking about today. And that, the, and, and the one tenant that we're really talking about today is the culture, both for your internal customer, which is your employee and your external customer, which is the person that pays your bills. Uh, Sharon or Barbara, do you want to unmike? Certainly. Thank you, Lisa. Hello, Renee. Wonderful topic. I think, you know, you either you either create your culture or it creates itself. So you can either um, encourage it and nurture it or lose control. And I think it's so important that, uh, you know, and in today's uh, marketplace, your employees, they don't want to be called employees, their team, their team members. They want to know that they are part of something bigger than themselves particularly the younger generation. Um, I tell people, if you're not paying attention to the culture and supporting it and banking and nurturing, you know, might as well install a revolving door because people aren't going to stay. A lot of the younger generation, it's not just salary they're looking for. They're looking for culture. They're looking for a place where they can feel like they're contributing, not just getting a paycheck. So. Sharon, I love that. And as you were speaking, I remembered something that you've said to me so many times and really having a good workplace culture is founded in curiosity as a leader. And you talk about that a lot, being curious about what's going on around you, what other people have to offer or say, and what the pertinent things are for, for other people's values or for their, their life plan. And so I love that about you. I know that you build great culture and you um, invite other people to do the same by inviting them to be curious, to ask not just why, but why not. Um, thank you so much for commenting. Your input is always very valuable to me. Well, thank you, Renee. I absolutely love your friendship and Lisa's. And I think it's something that, you know, as, as we continue to become more um you go into you go in as a leader. You've got your focus on the vision of what the company is and where you're going in the future. The problem is if you don't pay attention to who's behind you and who's supporting you, um, you're not going to get there as fast. 
And so if you can empower those people that work with you to know that they are respected, um, I think that's a huge, you know, you, how can you expect them to respect you if you do not respect them? And you don't know what's going on in their mind. I mean, they may have an issue at home. They may have a financial issue. The more you can understand and create an environment of trust and openness, um, when, you know, every time we have a team meeting, it's kind of like checking in, where are you right now? Because if, you know, you've got something going on at home, you're not going to be completely present. And we're human, and this more important as a leader, that we show that we care and that we, we value the individual and what they're doing. And, and when they feel that, their loyalty goes up. You cannot expect loyalty if you are not giving loyalty. And I think that's so important when we're for type A's, when we're driving so fast, you gotta take time to value the people that have helped to get to where you're going. No, that's, 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 that's really good stuff. You know, somebody, uh, Barbara, I'm gonna get with you in just one second. I've got a good friend that just entered the room, Mr. Brian Benstock and Brian runs the number one Honda store in the world. And uh, in Queens, New York, he runs an incredible team. I've been in his store. I've talked to his salespeople. I've worked with them. And Brian, talk to us. What we're talking about is workplace culture. Renee Bangelsdorf is my guest. And um, she is a, she's an absolute expert when it comes to it. And she's taken the analogy from aircraft because she's a, a pilot and a jet broker um, and, and turned it into, I wish you would have gotten here a little bit earlier because you would have heard it. It's good. But tell us what your tips are on running the number one sales team in the world when it comes to Honda and probably most and most brands because you guys have cried. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. In the middle of a pandemic, nothing stopped you. Well, it's uh, good morning, and it's uh, great to hear Sharon's voice. And Sharon, how are you? I, I love what you do, and I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, you'll be at Grant's event, and I can get to see you next week. Uh, well, it, I would thank you so much, Brian. I look forward to seeing you as well. Great, great, great. We, you know, we owe each other a picture. I think we were trying to get a picture last yes. time. We, we couldn't yes. do it. Uh, you know, culture, I think, is everything. Uh, and, and culture doesn't refer to black, white, uh, Jew, Gentile. It, it's really just, it's, it's the spirit, the esprit de corps, the attitude uh, that you have in the team. And, uh, you know, I, I'm finding, especially more recently, that, you know, not everybody's going to fit in and not everybody's going to make it. Uh, if we're trying to have a, uh, a culture of excellence and we're trying to have um, that attitude across every platform in the dealership and somebody is stuck in mediocrity, you know, they've really got two choices, right? Jump, join us or leave us, but you can't, you can't quit and stay. You can't hang around. And, you know, we've finding that a lot of people don't go deep in their subject anymore. They don't go deep in their craft. And I'm, I'm finding that sometimes less is more. Uh, by having people that are like-minded, that want to keep up, that want to continue to push, that want to continue to drive, you know, that that causes us to go to a higher level. And so, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons we've been successful. And, you know, the sad thing, and, and uh, I can remember Lisa like it was yesterday, 
somebody, a coach that I had in 2003, uh, a, a management coach, said, B, not everybody wants to live in the big house with a white picket fence and a pool in the backyard. And I, I remember disagreeing and arguing with him. No, that's not true. Everybody, he said, no, B, some guys just want to go home and sit, sit in bed and sit on the couch and watch television. You know, that's, that's not what they want. And when you understand that, you realize, you know, we're different and there's no right or wrong. But if you're going to be on a winning team, you've got to make an impact. And, uh, and I think by ba- making an impact uh, in your position, in your craft, and having mastery, uh, you can make an impact in other people's lives. And I think that's what we're looking to do. I love that, Mr. Benstock. Hold that thought for a second. Barbara Majeski, I would love to have you pipe in on this. And then David Spizak is on the stage. And I'd love to hear from him next. These are my people that I know have built incredible teams and cultures and winners. And um, and they don't just win for themselves because everybody that uh, they take on the journey wins also. And that's why I've got them all on the stage today. So, Barbara, take I it love away. this conversation. And, Brian, that was an excellent contribution because you do have to take in to, uh, you know, take into effect, not everybody wants what you want or, or is driven, but they still, you still have a need in your culture and your community to, to feel like you, everyone belongs, uh, you know, fits in. And it's like a human experience to want to fit in and be a part of something. And the best I remember when, so I did door to door sales in my twenties and the concept wasn't like I wanted to be a door to door sales girl, but I saw the opportunity to scale and grow sales teams. It was a startup. I was part of a test market. It had a lot of logic to it, but it had like, we were just a bunch of Yahoo 20 year olds, just with really big dreams and ambitions, but we didn't, we didn't really have the scaffolding, but we had the drive. We had the right business idea and we had the right client, which was AT&T. And we did, we hit it out of the park. We started to grow and expand, but it was the wild, wild west. And we had to bring in somebody who could really strategically organize us so we could expand and grow exponentially without being a house of cards. So we brought in this guy, Gary Polson, who had already, you know, run several businesses, was a Stanford graduate. We're talking all the, uh, uh, every degree and just was an extremely um, well-versed professional. And he came in and the first thing he did is he asked a million questions. He took interest in who we were, why we did what we did, what we thought was going right, what we thought was going wrong. He he literally personified two ears, one mouth. He listened twice as much as he spoke. He made us all feel important. He, He made us all feel of value. And he took, he really did. He was like, I see the potential here. I see how hard you guys have worked. And I want to help you take this to a, to the largest outsourced direct sales company on on the, you know, on the planet in North America. And that's what he did, but he led with, he brought in words, he brought in words and a culture. And I remember this is the first time and don't judge me on this, but this is the first time he was like, we are going to lead with integrity. That it was the first time I, I, that was brought into our culture. We led with like grit and grind and just work, 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 work and drive, drive, drive. And he used these words with honor, integrity, mission, global expansion. And Man, I just, he was, I was like a, a, a plant out in the desert. Like I was like, I loved being part of this culture that valued integrity, growth, 
honor, opportunity, family, values, like all these words. And it words are, and Brian says it best, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. And I'm sorry if I destroyed that, Ben Stock, but, and he didn't just say these words, he backed it with everything that he did. And that had a cascade effect on all of us. We all stepped up and it, it ended up like, listen, that's like the nar- largest outsourced direct sales company now in North America. And I'm proud to still be a, a small part of that. Um, but it really showed me the power of leadership, creating a culture and creating a community to which I felt very um, accepted and um, felt like I I had an opportunity to be part of that community. And my my career was of high value. My success was of high value and his success was just a byproduct of mine. So I think that was a really great lesson. I continue to draw from him. He's a great, a great human being and a great friend. So that is my lesson on culture and community. Um, back to oh you, Lisa God. and Renee. Yeah. Nice to cross paths. Barbara, this is so good. And Brian, and I'll tell you, you know, I have the privilege of leading. I've got 702 agents in my organization, now real estate agents with EXP Realty. And I think about that every day, right? This whole life of service. In fact, Brian's daughter is on my team and I love her dearly. I'm gonna be in New York next month and I finally get to see her face to face. Um, David Spizak, you have built many companies. You have built many empires. You've had a lot of people in and out the front door. I know for sure. I'd love to have your wisdom and have you kind of Uh, contribute to this, not kind of, but to contribute to this conversation. I'm trying to find my words this morning. I'm only on one cup of coffee. I tried (laughs) to quit coffee and I I, I decided I would have to quit life instead. So I decided to go for coffee. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm great. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, uh, boy, I, like most of us, I think I learned the lessons of culture uh, the hard way. You know, in the beginning, it seemed like my focus uh, was I was very brash and I was very, uh, I had massive urgency. As long as I can remember, I've got this urgency like tomorrow is uh, not going to happen. And um, and I, I feel like, you know, I, I've always been a going an all-in person. I've gone all-in all the time. And what I noticed early on, it's a little similar to what Brian was saying, is that not everybody around me, you know, on my team kind of owned that. They didn't have that, as Renee was saying, Sharon was saying, that level of curiosity. They didn't have that level of commitment that Brian talks about. Uh, you know, that, that, that level of commitment that Barbara talks about. And, and so what happened was I really tried to make everybody like me uh, in the beginning. And I failed epically. Um, it was a it was a complete and utter disaster. And I learned uh, a really valuable lesson um, at that time. And that is, um, my job is to not have them serve me, not have them be like me, but for me to be able to serve them and do everything I can to help them realize the best version of themselves. So whatever their strengths were, I really focused on those strengths to bring out the best in them. And something really interesting happened, I noticed. As I started to serve them, as I started to help them make money, I would close deals for them. And when I closed the deal for them, I wouldn't say, hey man, you're lucky I closed that for you. I I would say fantastic job serving up that opportunity. This deal doesn't happen if you don't do that. Um, Now, I would coach them at appropriate times, but I would never coach them in the moment 
you know, I would never coach them in front of other people if it was not appropriate to do so. And uh, the next step for me in culture was when I was hired by a gentleman named Bill Smythe, who was the greatest gentleman I've ever met in my life uh, in the car business. I, I couldn't find a single human in this country to say anything but glowing things about Bill. And that might lead people to believe that, you know, that he was soft and he wasn't a great business person, but that would be a grave error because he also had that intensity. It was just quiet. It was just understated. And so he taught me about that. And one of the things that I learned at that time was about elevating culture to another level. And that that meant having everybody be part of, well, I'll say this. You got to let your associates be a co-architect of this culture that you're building. And he also taught me that every single human that I brought into that organization was either going to lift our culture or was going to sink our culture. And, and the onus was on me. The responsibility was on me and my leadership team to make sure that we never, ever traded uh, productivity for culture. Because the last thing that he taught me was that anything that showed up on the financial statement was a byproduct of our culture. And so, you know, it was all of those things in combination that really helped me uh, as a leader. And we, you know, in my store, you know, most people know at this point, you know, that this is back before the pandemic, of course, and the chip shortage. This was making money the old fashioned way, the grind way. But back then, the average store was making about a million bucks a year, and we were making $25 million a year. Um, it had elevated ourselves. Now, I, I did bring in some uh, data and some tech. I did change the philosophy from a management perspective, to be sure. But what really drove that was the fact that our employee turnover in an industry that averaged 89% at that time was less than 3%. Our turnover was less than Apple and Hewlett Packard and uh, Intel and the other Silicon Valley companies that had been giving stock options to people, we had lower turnover than they did. And so the financial side was always a byproduct. And that was the biggest lesson that I ever learned. And, uh, and lastly, you know, I, I, I posted something a couple weeks ago because it was an important anniversary to me. Um, I haven't lost an employee who worked for me in over 20 years, Lisa, 20 years. And, you know, when I had my tech company reverse risk in San Francisco in over eight years, uh, let me think about this, in over eight years, I never lost a single software engineer, database engineer, or any other employee, despite the fact that you get poached every day by every other Silicon Valley company looking for talent. So, you know, while people always want to talk about the money, the money, the money, you know, the exit, uh, you know, the company you grew and scaled and sold and all those things, uh, they, they would be very wise to come to understand that the reason for it, you know, when I'm in Brian's store every time, it is culture. You feel it, the energy, the intensity, the commitment, the focus, you know, you hear it in Barbara's voice. I've heard it in Sharon's voice. I've never had the pleasure of meeting her in person, but Sharon, I'm, I'm absolutely pumped to meet you uh, next week in Miami. Lisa, I've seen it in you. Uh, and so it's always about the culture because it's always about our people. It starts with our people. It ends with our people. And we will only go as far 
as, as the culture that we create and help our other associates create for our organizations. Oh my God, I love that. You know, David, I've told you before that Bill Smythe was my next door neighbor on Laurelwood Drive right. in San Jose, California. That's right. I, you know, so Bill, Bill Smythe lived on one side, I lived in the middle on Laurelwood Drive, and then the Allisons lived on the other sure. side of me. Man, all these high-rent neighborhoods. My I'm God, just, fancy I'm pants. just telling you, I can thank my dad for that one, though. I can thank my daddy. He was a <laughs> uh, Silicon Valley that, superstar. That was, uh, that was auto yes. dealer. That, it, hey, we always think of auto dealer row, Brian. Laurelwood Drive. As, as one dealer after another, but what she's talking about, that was literally auto dealer row in terms yeah. of those houses. Yeah. Uh, had, had, had you ever been to his house on Laurelwood Drive? Uh, no, I've only been to his okay. house in, Woods, in Woodside. He moved to okay. Woodside. Okay. Yeah, because that, that was in the 70s. So anyways, I just, I, I love that story. And I love when you bring it up because I played with his kids and, and get, you know, anyways, but it's, hey, it's good yeah, stuff. You remember, uh, you remember Jimmy and Bill Jr. and Michael? All of them. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, all of us went to private school together. Yeah. So anyways, it was, of course it, did. Those, those, those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah. Like I said, it, 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 listen to this spoon fed. I learned from I went the to East Islip High School. My dad's mom's house was $19,000 corner house, and I was the happiest kid in the world. I thought I was I, the happiest hey, kid in the world. Hey, too. Brian, Brian, I, Brian, I'm going to shout out to the Bay Area. Shout out to the Bay Area. That's right. You're in a private school. Of course, you were a happy kid. Brian, we digress. I want to bring Renee back on because she's because she is my guest of the hour. She's she has something she wants to talk to everybody about uh, an event she's putting on. Um, and um, all of us want to get better. And like so I purposely brought on Sharon and Barbara and David and Brian and Renee, you know, people that have built winning sales organizations or winning organizations, winning teams, winning companies. And without the people, we're broke. I don't care how great your product or your service is. If you don't have people that believe and, and are bought in on the mission, you are never going to be great. You know, I, I, I told the story about my biggest wins in the auto industry was in 2014, excuse me, 2012 and 2014, when I was in the top 10 for top workplace awards. And those were the proudest days bringing my team into for automotive news and to, and to take that trophy in the top 10, right? Because it was about the people. And because we had the people, we sold the cars. And I'm, a, I'm just, I live and die by that. So Renee, I'm going to let you, um, number one, I'm going to open to some questions for you, but I'm going to, before that happens, because the mic tends to go away, I want you to tell everybody about your uh, masterclass webinar that you're doing that's free of charge. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. First, I want to shout out to everyone you called up. Wow, what great wisdom in this room this morning. I love this because I always learn something every time I'm on Clubhouse. And Brian, it sounds like you've gotten really, really good at hiring people for their values that align with your company. And I think that's really important. And it's why you're number one in, uh, in Honda sales in the world. Um, Barbara, I heard from you that, that if you invest in your people and you inspire them, completely metamorphosizes your team. And I'm so glad that you got to experience that. I love people like that person who, um, who inspired you and, and taught you those, um, those lessons. And then David, oh my gosh, I wrote this down and circled it four times in my planner for today. What shows up on the financial statement is a byproduct of culture and 
obviously, if your culture is that good that nobody leaves, you are a wealthy, wealthy man. Let me know if you want to buy a private jet. Um, Lisa, <laughs> thanks for um, thanks for giving me a shout out about that. I gave like a brief well, I'm synopsis. Use Barbara and Brian's jet. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I mean, you, using other people's jets is always. Yeah, you always hear about, you always hear about OPM. OPJ. I'm going to do OPJ. 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 I like OPJ. it. OPJ. Let's do it. OPJ. So fun. Well, yeah, Lisa, I have a webinar that's actually today. So it's at noon central time, noon six, and then tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. where I talk about the balance of workplace culture and how the four forces of of workplace culture need to be in balance. And it's kind of an ode to the four forces of flight. So if anyone wants to sign up for that, or if you want to sign up and then get the hey, replay hey, because you have Ray, other plans. Re reiterate yeah. for the people who just came in the room, the four forces of flight, because it's so powerful. Yeah. So there are four forces of flight. You have to have lift. That's what gets you off the ground. You have to have thrust, which is your forward momentum. That's when you push in, push in the throttle. You have to have um, weight or gravity because if you don't have weight or gravity, then you can't land. You just drift away. And you have, and because you have drag, you can control the direction that you're going by the the directing or controlling the drag. And so, in workplace culture, those things relate to respect, which elevates people and companies, resources, which gives us forward momentum, weight uh, or reasons, which are why we exist and how we're going to get back down to the ground. And then finally, realignment, which are the course corrections, the accountability, the processes that you put in place to stay on track. So I think all four of those are really important. They're important to have in balance. And I do a deep dive on this in this webinar. So if you um, text 33777, text four forces, the number four, and then forces, F-O-R-C-E-S. So four forces to 33777. You can sign up for that webinar or get the replay. I do use aviation references in it. I'll give a um, you know shout out to my other peeps that are pilots on this call or who um, love flying, but it's definitely and, uh, something Renee, you're that you a could, pilot. You could you're apply. Yes, so, I did so that please, last year. Yes. You coached me through it, Lisa. Yes. It was so hard. But you're a pilot, you're a private aviation broker, top woman in the world. You, you, uh, you have stood on the women of, uh, women, women of aviation board. Uh, at one point you served under Elaine Chow. Um, and so, you know, like, so aviation is in your blood, but then you took that expertise and you pivoted because this is, this is for any industry, you know, people are people. I don't care what you do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It really is applicable to anyone. And it's not just about improving workplace culture. It's about balancing it out so that you don't end up with pandering and you don't end up with a total disregard for people. You don't end up being exclusionary or disrespectful or having a cutthroat organization because you have to have some collaboration you have people have to feel like you're for them not against them in well, order you know, to have a world-class organization you know, and one of the things that my friend elena cardone says which I, I just i live and die by now and i just wish i would have had this thought process when i was in the auto industry and it was empires are destroyed from the inside 
And that's the reason that kings and queens had food tasters, you know, that they tasted their food, they drank their wine before they did it, because it wasn't the outside. It wasn't the other country that was probably going to knock off the king or the queen. It was somebody on the inside, right? Empires are destroyed from the inside. And if we cannot manage the internal culture, the internal people in our business, that, that is where great empires crumble. Right. I think that that is just it, to me, it, the minute I heard Elena say it, it was like game over for me. I'm thinking any time I ever had biggest strife in my career over 20, 30, almost 30 years, it wasn't it wasn't from external forces because I could control them. Right. I could control what happens. I can control what meetings I can go to. I can control who I want my clients to be a lot of times. But 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 when you're unaware and I think that's the best word, unaware of what's going on internally because you've got blinders on or you have a blind spot, which we've all had blind spots. I've had them. I know everybody on the stage that I've called up has had them. When you have those, that is when the empire could crumble. So, the, competition, the competition never hurt me in business. Right. It was always, it was always self-inflicted wounds, internal wounds. I, I, I don't think about the competition. I, I, I think about ever. Competition will take care of itself. Uh, is always internal. I think we have a lot of that going on in the country today as well. Yeah, no, Brian, uh, I would love to have one of your people on Renee's uh, webinar today. It's really good. It's really, it's game changing, right? And it's interesting to see it from from a higher level than, you know, because aviation is is a lot like the aviation industry is a lot like the auto industry, but it's, it's, it's a little more of the wild, wild west. It's not regulated. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty interesting. So, anyways, Brian, you ought to you ought to get one of your people to listen in on that webinar because it's a good one. Um, Renee, would you like to open up for any questions? We have we have about ten minutes, and this has been so thought provoking this morning. God, I love hearing from all of you. It's just like I'm just always better for all of you. That's for sure. So, if anybody wants to ask Renee any questions um, about that, or maybe you know you're having some internal strife, you're having some external strife, or you just need a roadmap. Why don't you go ahead and unmic and ask Renee uh, the question? We got nine minutes. Well, I'd like to ask um, Renee hey. a question, if I may. Um, Renee, when you were giving the formula, I guess it would be, you know, Sharon Sharon Lecker has a success formula. Of course, when you were explaining about, first of all, congratulations, female pilot. I'm sure you're the only one on the stage. Um, and your daughter's a pilot also. Yes, she is. She wow. is. So that's she's learning how to amazing. fly Gulf streams right now, working for flight safety. So very exciting. That's incredible. But I was thinking from the entrepreneur's point of view, you know, I was thinking, wow, I've never really thought about it like that. But your experience becoming a pilot is so much like launching a business. And I think a lot of like the, the download I got was like, I think entrepreneurs run out of runway. I think they get a lot of things prepared and they're in love with their plane or their jet, but they've only put in 25 yards. That's right. so true. I think we run out of runway. I think we can run out of fuel. Um, I think we can sit on the runway full of fuel and, uh, and not move, right? You, you've got to get that forward momentum going. I think that a lot of times we get up in the air and we think things are going really well. And we look down and we're like, oh, snap. I have no idea where I am. Like, I don't recognize any of the landmarks. I need to figure out where I am. And that's one of the things that you have to demonstrate when you're taking your flying exam is 
can I figure out where I am and get safely back to a runway if I get lost in the air? And sometimes life like life is like that too, right? You either kind of lose your way or like you fly through a cloud and it disorients you. I think all of us may have done that during the pandemic. And there's so many parallels to flying and life or flying and entrepreneurship. And it's really important to use all of the tools that you have. Absolutely. And it's really embodies do it scared and Sharon's why not. Um, I'm going to be a pilot. Well, why not? You have a big, you know, live life big. So I just wanted to say from an entrepreneur's point of view, it like blew my mind what you were sharing. Cause I'm like, I never thought about it like that. And I'm just going to really, um, you know, I don't know. I just celebrating you, um, Renee, you're really a unique super soul. And I thank you for your friendship. So I'm finished. Thank you. I'm landing my plane as they say on clubhouse. <laughs> land in the plane and clubhouse sherry that was so good and um yeah i mean and renee i just yeah that's what i want to yeah it's, it's just so I, I love the whole analogy to flight now i had the privilege of writing a book with renee and uh, she and i wrote the book crushing mediocrity uh 10 ways to rise above the status quo and we wrote that back and and we published it in 2016 and Renee, just to see how far you've come in your thought process, but I see the way you've evolved because you became a pilot. I, I mean, like your thoughts have gone from, um, you know, like kind of flying through the middle of the air to man, you are up and over the clouds, you know, flying that Gulf Stream along with, uh, with Brooke, your daughter. So, you know, um, do you have any final thoughts for us? And we have six minutes left. We, we probably got one or two more people, but you know, what, what advice, I mean, like, like I always like to have people walk away with tactical stuff. Brian gave nuggets, David, Barbara, Sharon, but, but you're, you're, you're the, you're the woman of the hour. What, what tactical advice are you going to give us? There's people out there that are struggling. Um, there are people out there that, that, that don't, you're, you're probably one of the most strategic thinkers I know where I'm kind of the big thinker. And so, and, and what's funny is you ought to see writing a book between a Renee and a Lisa, because I am like, four miles, four million miles ahead. And we're going to do that, 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 that. And, and, uh, and Renee's going to pull me back to throttle. <laughs> Lisa, we need to finish chapter one. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, Lisa. Do you remember as we were writing that, the, the person that we were working with to kind of help guide us along through that process said, yeah. you know, Lisa, you are, um, you are a gunslinger and Renee's a sniper. Yes. But, you know, there's a place for both. And I appreciate that you are rapid fire and that like nothing ever holds you back. And I think about things and analyze things and I'm strategic when I I'm do not something. A pilot. You are a good pilot for that reason. I'd be like just busting through those clouds. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. On the other yeah. side of those clouds is God. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Girl, you'd have the F-16s flying alongside of you going, what, what are you doing? They're flying in restricted airspace, their bombs going off. Exactly, the whole bit. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. You know, I do appreciate you asking me that, Lisa, because I think that every single person influences the culture of an organization. So some tactical things that you can do today are ask somebody who's different than you. They might be in a different role. If you're in sales, they might be in engineering or in finance or in marketing find someone who's different than you they can look different than you they can have a different role they can be in a different phase of life than you and invite them to lunch 
or coffee or just have a call with them to get to know them better because those are valuable ways to expand your horizons, to be curious um, and to understand what their values are and maybe to connect with them in a more meaningful way, in a collaborative way. Um, if you work for a company where there's someone who's been there for a while and really knows their stuff, do a lunch and learn with them. Anybody can put together a lunch and learn. It can be over Zoom, it can be in Clubhouse, it can be um, in the physical dealership or office space, but having a lunch and learn values the person that you're learning from and maybe even helps them realize that you might approach things in a different way. So that fuels respect and collaboration. Um, I also advise everyone that I coach, I'm also a high performance business coach, but feedback is critical. So if there's a policy or a process or a system that's not working as well as it should be, be exploratory about that. Talk to other people about that and see if you can re remove that impediment to everyone getting their job done. Sometimes there's a new software system that will connect to that are disparate and the boss or the IT department didn't realize that you were having an issue or didn't realize that something else could be done there. Um, if you don't know, if you work for someone and you don't know your unique value to the company, you need to ask your boss, like, why am I here? And if you're a boss, you need to make sure that every single one of the people who works for you understands what's special about their job skills in that role. And I think that that all of those things are really important. And I'll leave with this one because it's a pet peeve of mine. If you're going to a meeting, make sure that you know what your role is in that meeting so you can bring value. And if you're hosting a meeting, only invite the people that need to be there and respect their time with an agenda that you stick to. So hopefully those tactical tips are good takeaways for someone on this call today. Can, and then last but not least, one other thing? hold on, hold on. One, one, I'm just going to have her add, add, yeah, and then you're next. Um, Renee, give them one more shot for your webinar today, how to get into it. And then I, I think that was Brian. Brian, Who's I'll, David? I'll Who's David? Oh, David. Okay, yeah, then David, I'll let you close, my friend. Um, four, text four forces to 33777. And that's also if you click on me, you can see that at the top of my bio, four forces to 33777. David, take it away. Why, thank you. And thank you again, Lisa, for bringing Renee to us and Renee for all of the very real world uh, tactical wisdom that all of us can put into action today. I just wanted to add two things. Listen, if anybody really wants to know about their culture, don't talk to your managers, talk to your frontline people because your frontline people notice everything. They know when people came in, they know when you came to work, they know when you leave, they know what your work ethic is. They know if you say, hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, Haley, oh, hi, Renee. Yeah, they notice that too. They notice if the rules, the regulations, the expectations are applied equally. You know, when they're not applied equally, you are, you are wittingly or perhaps unwittingly uh, deconstructing you know, or tearing down your culture. So that's very, very important. The second thing, really quick, is your leaders are not necessarily your managers. 
okay, and vice versa. So some of the greatest leaders and greatest mover shakers that I had in the 357 employees I had at that dealership with 3% of uh, turnover, they were frontline people, they were valets, they were porters, they were support people. And last thing was this, if somebody's variably comped on your team, when they do better, they make more. Never forget that the frontline people that make your, your team go, your business go every day. When you double your business, their pay doesn't double, their workload does. So be respectful of them because the only way they get a bonus, their bonus is acknowledgement, respect, and appreciation. I'll leave it there. Okay, well, at that, that was fantastic. What a great hour. Felisa Copeland, it's my time to turn over the room to the next speaker. And um, I want to thank all my guests, all my experts. Renee, thank you so very much for spending an hour with us this morning and dropping your incredible gems. And Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.